Well, welcome. This is WNZN Radio coming to you from Lorain, Ohio, 89.1 FM on your radio. Thank you for tuning in once again to another show. And um, I'm sitting here with my good friend, David Abood. Hey, John. Great to be here again, as always. Another show. And, the, you yeah. know, this is like incredible, you know, when you think about this weather in Cleveland at this time of the year. It's just so beautiful out with the sun shining. It is. But we are grateful that everybody is tuned in. Uh, and like I said, I always preface my shows by saying if you have any trouble hearing the show, you can just live stream us on your iPad, your computer, Alexa is what I use, and I'm on the west side of Cleveland, but uh, you should get a clear signal. So once again, we, we have a variety of topics we've been discussing. Had some very interesting guests, right, David, the past yes. couple weeks? Yes, and, have we ever. And then we got a really good response on two in particular. Maybe you can mention, David. Yes, um, so we had uh, Robert Kylo from the Fellowship of Christian Athletes on last week. And, uh, you know, the, that was really his story about how he came to the Lord. He actually uh, ran for the mayor of Cleveland uh, at one point. And uh, so he was searching for a political career. He was a very good athlete in college. And he was just going over how they work, uh, the fact that they train coaches in the Christian walk, and then they're able to administer that uh, to their uh, to their players, to the kids, because coaches have such a big influence, uh, you know, uh, on those kids, especially for, you know, um, the fact that they're in high school and college. So, and then prior to that, we had uh, uh, Tomei, um, let me make sure I have his last name, uh, but Melikov, he was from Macedonia. He was a concert pianist that gave it all up to uh, serve the Lord. And um, so he is, uh, they have their own uh, mission field. And really what they do is they work with executives at corporations and they feed into them their system, uh, how they create disciples. So it's really at that executive management level and then you have the kid level with Christian uh, fellowship, Christian fellowship athletes, um, and so yeah, those were the last two shows, Jen. Yeah, so we got a real good response, and uh, it kind of goes to show we have variety. We do. You know, we do topics, and then other times we do we do uh, interviews with uh, different ministers and ministries, missions. So today. Uh, <laughs> What I wanted us to talk about, David, and discuss is this whole thing about revival. Uh, some call it revival or an awakening. We'll talk about the difference between those two terms. But we know it's been in the news because of this little college in Kentucky, Wilmore, Kentucky, yeah. uh, has had uh, what they're describing as a revival. Yeah. Uh, started two weeks ago when students had chapel service, and there was just a message out of Romans, I think it was out of Romans chapter 12, but it resulted in the, the students just spending all night in prayer and there was repentance and uh, renewal and rededicating their lives to Christ and this kind of grew the prayer meeting didn't stop and what's interesting about this place this uh, Asbury College is they had this kind of revival in 1970 it's well attested to and we're going to talk about the marks of revival what is revival but there is even of course with social media it's it goes rather quickly this event that's happening at this college and even different news stations picked up on it and other colleges are experiencing something. So we, we want to look at it and, and just revival in a general sense from a biblical point of view, yeah. from a historic point of view, 
uh, what's happened in America in our own uh, history and what's happened around the world, although we won't be able to touch about some of the big revivals that happened in, let's say, South Korea right. after World War <clears throat> II and some other places. Uh, but we maybe just focus a little bit on America today. And revival, it's hard to get a really accurate description, but one would be a revival is, is, is the sovereign God's activity through the lives of Christians. Uh, to revive means to make a, uh, alive again. You're reviving something. And it's the idea that tends to be more directed towards Christians. Maybe right. they've grown lethargic <clears throat> or they're mm -hmm. uh, backslidden or they're not operating in a, in a level of closeness to the Lord. And a special manifestation of God's presence or the Holy Spirit often is characteristics in these revivals. Now, an awakening, some historians, great church historians like J. Edwin Orr, would say awakening is described as God's activity in the lives of non-Christians uh, often resulting in changed lives, conversions, changed behavior. Uh, so an awakening is, tends to be larger, and it, it spreads yeah. over a community, over a town, over a city. And America has experienced, uh, historically, what we would call three great awakenings, and we'll talk about that. Maybe we can touch on that in a little bit. So anyhow, I just wanted to set this up uh, and talk about this, this whole phenomenon of revival and uh, what's happening and why is there so much uh, interest and, and kind of excitement about this. I, I don't think anybody doubts that America or the world today needs, needs what would you call it, a turning back to God. A, 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 the idea that God is alive and God is uh, wanting us. He's not willing that any should perish, it says in the Bible. Uh, so it seems like there's this feeling in the world that, 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 that things are wrong and not going in the right direction. And the only direction we can go in is God's way. You know, we tried man's way. And perhaps these revivals or these things that are happening, not just in America, but around the world, is just the early signs of perhaps a coming uh, mighty revival. Right. Uh, yeah, certainly people have prayed for it. They fasted for it over the years. And so we're going to get into that. And to just go backwards and we'll, we'll go from history and then we'll go look at the Bible and maybe back and forth uh -huh. in our discussion, David. But when you come to America, like I said before, historians often will put down three great awakenings. If you want to call them revivals, fine, but they're listed as, and the first one uh, is 1730 to 1740. And this is the famous one on the East Coast mm -hmm. involved Jonathan Edwards and these other George uh, Whitefield, George Whitefield, yeah. these others. Uh, maybe you have a little description that you might want to tell yeah, on that one. Yeah, so the first awakening was from 1735 to 1743, and the second great awakening was 1795 to 1830, were theologically significant in that they, sh they helped to shape Christian thinking by the intense re uh, re revitalization they created. But the two leaders that you mentioned, George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards, were kind of the leaders of that. What's interesting uh -huh. is... Um, Really, at that time, you know, you had 13 different colonies that were separate. And, you know, George uh, Whitefield realized that he needed to bring the colonies together if we stood a chance at all to go up against the British Empire. Uh -huh. And so the way he did it is by, you know, preaching the word of God, Christianity, and trying to get people to become one. You know, there was even different currencies from going to North Carolina to South Carolina. Yeah, right. And so it was a lot like Europe, if you will, prior to the uh, European, you know, single currency. But really, 
that was the root of our freedom that then drove the revolution mm-hmm. uh, and, and how we were able to come together. It was really this great awakening by bringing in the Christian um, mentality and trying to get everybody to realize we're one, we're together, regardless of you know our religious beliefs. And then all the colonies came together and that's how we were able to defeat the British. Well, yeah, the big thing on these awakenings is uh, an awareness of God's presence, which leads yeah. to a humbling and a conviction. The one thing the Holy Spirit will do is convict us of sin. And so when yeah. these awakenings happened, the people would repent. It could mm-hmm. be, you know, they talked about taverns being shut down, brothels being closed. Yeah. People were repaying something they might have stolen. Uh, relationships are being healed. So it's a deep move of God in the lives of people, which, as you say, percolates up. And even in the community and the social systems of the time were being adjusted and, and people were treating people fairly or with more more love, really. But again, when these things happen, why they happen, we don't know where. Mm-hmm. It's not like you can plan this. We'll talk about You can't yeah. say, we're going to schedule a revival next Wednesday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It, it just doesn't work like that. It's just yeah. you, you're seeking the Lord, you're praying, you're going to church, you're doing... But oftentimes it's a visitation of the Lord that's almost unexpected, if I can say yeah. that. But it results in something happening tangibly. If it's a real revival, now we're going to talk about there could be counterfeit revivals yeah. where there's a lot of activity, there could be a lot of emotion. I'm not judging them, but they might not, there's nothing sustainable and it's not a deep work of the Holy Spirit. Could Particularly in the area of humility, uh, in repentance, a conviction of sin, mm-hmm. a certain transparency, and the healing of relationships. Yeah. And so that was the first great one was, like you said, uh, well, some put it, what, 1730s, 1745? Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, you know, second big one, of course, is, is the late 18th century until the middle of the 19th right. century. And again, this was mm-hmm. a, uh, characterized very similarly uh, by almost a spontaneous a sense of the Lord's presence in this area. A lot of these are on the east coast of America, right, right at that time. And then the third, I don't know if you had any. Well, you know, I, I don't on the third. Okay, third is is actually in the 1850s till 1900. Now the 1850s, of course, is a rough time in America with the the economy is going south. Mm-hmm. There's depression. It's pre-Civil War. Yeah. We're going to be going to war yeah. shortly. There was a lot of dissension between the states, and there was this. Uh, this revival, if you will. Now, there's one interesting one I want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, and this was, the people, uh, the listeners can uh, go and Google this up or do a little research, but it's called the Prayer Meeting Revival of 1857. And it, it takes place in New York. I'm just going to read a little bit how this starts. Mm-hmm. It's also known as the Businessmen's Revival. It says, on March 6, 1857, uh, there's this young man uh, in New York and his name is, uh, let me get his name right here. Uh, he comes under the influence of Charles Finney, who was a great preacher at that right. time. And this particular young man's name is Jeremiah Laffier. He gets converted, he becomes a Christian. And he has a real burden to see other businessmen. He's in the business, come to know Jesus Christ. After working in business for over 20 years at age 49, Jeremiah got hired as a local missionary by the North Dutch Church, Fulton Street. His salary at that time was $1,000 a year. God began to break Jeremy's heart for the lost people. So he, what he does, one day God gave him an inspired idea on in how to reach the people. He decided to host Wednesday prayer meeting for businessmen from 12 o'clock to 1 p.m. Yeah. He encouraged people to come for no matter how long they were able to pull away. 
whether it was five minutes, ten minutes, or more. He welcomed them all and engaged them with prayer. The date he set for the first meeting was September 3rd, 23rd, 1857. When the day came, he was ready to welcome other businessmen for prayer. At noon, no one showed up. At 1210, yeah. still no one. At 1225, yeah. still no one. Halfway through the prayer meeting, he felt like a failure, or maybe he hadn't heard God correctly. Uh -huh. Who knows? But he stood his grounds. And all of a sudden, at 1230, the first businessman joined him for prayer. Then another, and then another. He had a total of six people. That was the start. They planned another prayer meeting for the following Wednesday. This time, 20 men came. Then October 10th, 1857, the stock market crashed. People lost everything in a matter of moments. Desperation for God increased. Soon the prayer meetings were not just weekly but daily. In a short time, there were crowds of up to 3,000 people joining what was called then the Fulton Street Prayer Meeting. People from all different kinds of classes joined in. There were specific guidelines in place for this prayer meeting. They started right on time. They finished right at 1 o'clock. They allowed people to come in and go as they please. Only prayers were accepted and then testimonies or exhortation. He says, each meeting started with singing a hymn, then the leader had some scripture, and then they all prayed. The newspapers got a hold of that. This thing went to Philadelphia, went to Boston, it went to Cleveland wow. with businessmen. Wow. His first meeting had 40, then 60, again went up to 2,500. Uh, over just four months, 1,050 men were gathering together. The revival was made up from people of all different denominations. It was prayer for the souls. They said that this thing would go into England and would go into Europe. It spread from that one man having a desire Unbelievable. to have a prayer meeting. And that <laughs> would later be called, uh, which is during the Second Great Awakening, this would be called the Businessmen's Prayer Meeting Revival of 1857, right before the Civil War. Unbelievable. When the country was in incredible yeah. turmoil. Right. And that, that it, seems to be the case oftentimes. It pulled everybody together. It pulled people together. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, the key was, you know, that repentance and people come to know Christ. Now, the third one, the Great Awakenings in America, was 1850 to the 1900s. And this is when you see the birth of things like the YMCA. And, of course, D.L. Moody would start his Bible study groups. And eventually, he the revivals got so big, uh, he would actually start a Bible school to train people who could then go uh, teach these. But the, the point is, these things seem like they came in waves, these... Uh, uh, revivals, uh, which which many people feel somewhat encouraged uh, that maybe this is the time another one is going to happen. I'm not saying the one that's happening in Kentucky at Asbury is, uh -huh. but as just as much as that businessman's fellowship prayer meeting happened during the second awakening in 1857, this was another famous one I want to talk about. This was incredible because being in missions, I had heard about this. It's it, This one was... Uh, known as the uh, Haystack Prayer Meeting. Okay, and this happened way, way back at the, uh, in 1806. Uh, five students at Williams College, right? And this okay. is on, uh, in, uh, let me see. This is in Williams College. I believe it's in Massachusetts. I'll check on this. Yeah. Okay. Um, they came together. It says here, five Williams College students met in the summer of 1806 in a grove of trees near the Hoosock River, then known as Sloan's Meadow. Huh. And they be debated theology of mission service. Their meeting suddenly interrupted by a thunderstorm. And the students, Samuel Mills, Richard Foster, names these five guys. Okay. Uh, these five guys uh, come together, and they go to a shelter under a haystack until the sky cleared. The brevity of the shower, the strangeness of the place and refuge, peculiar the topic of prayer, 
they just prayed there, right? And they, yeah. they said, we, here's what they said. The group was organized to affect in the persons of members of the mission to go who were not Christians. In other words, go to the, they wanted to go overseas and be missionaries. The one, when they left that, the one fellow became the greatest influence on modern mission movement in modern history. He played a role in founding the American Bible Society. All of these guys, as a result of this little permit under this haystack, because it was raining outside, in its first 50 years, they'd sent out 1,250 missionaries to foreign countries. Most were from smaller towns and farms in New England. Few were affluent, but they went, you know, and, and then, then it keeps going on and it keeps growing. And this was considered one of the greatest missionary sending overseas of missionaries in wow. all of history. And it started with five guys praying. Wow. In a little, and they went for, to this day, there's a monument there at that college. It's called the Haystack Prayer Meeting. Oh, my god! But gosh. just like the guy in New York, it started with just a couple of people wanting to pray, and God visited in a special way, and out of that would come these great movements. Well, you know, John, it's definitely needed. I mean, you know, I was just taking a look at the increase in suicide rates since uh, the pandemic, and it's definitely gone up in some areas about 10%. Yeah. And, um and let alone what's been going on in the world economy. So, it you know, it sure seems like this would be a great time for this. Well, there's it, it, hard to figure a great time, but often a time of turmoil, it happens. Yeah. Now, some historians will list uh, in the late 1960s and yeah. the 70s, and if anybody remembers or read about the 1960s, it was chaotic in America. Mm. It was really, yeah. the Vietnam War was going right. on, there was campus protests, uh, we had the assassination of Martin Luther King, the assassination of Robert uh, Robert Kennedy. Uh, there was great upheaval in, in, in the world, in social, in America. And there would start in California, on the beaches of California, just two, three, four out of the hippie movement came to Christ. And the, a pastor there, Chuck Smith, opened his church, which is like a, just a little kind of a suburban church yeah. there. And then they would start coming in. And they came in fives and tens. They were hippies off the street. They were the drugs and all of this yeah. kind of stuff. And then it got bigger and bigger. And they ended up baptizing thousands on the shores of uh, California. And this started sweeping across America. And this would later be called the great Jesus Revolution or the Jesus Movement. Time Magazine would feature it that year and all. And many, many got saved. And that's actually where I got saved during that, that, that Jesus Movement in 1975. I know a lot of people in ministry today that uh, came to Christ. And that's one of the key hallmarks of a true revival, David, yeah. is, number, like I said earlier, number one, a sense of God's presence in our right. midst. Number two, a humbling. It's not something we exalt in. It's a humbling. and We're thankful that God, God would, would, would deem us worthy. Mm -hmm. Three, it's conviction of sin. The Holy Spirit comes and will convict us of sin. There's repentance. People want to get their life right, get in right relationship. There's conversions. That's what happened during the Jesus yeah. people because these people were coming out of alternate lifestyle, hippies yeah. and drugs and rebellion, and they were coming to Christ like that. And um, so these are some of the features. And then if there's a true revival, the, the effects last. It doesn't last, although the excitement of the revival might cool off after a year or two, the results of it mm -hmm. in changed lives, healed marriages, bondages broken, alcoholism, pornography forsaken, all of these things, people going into ministry, et cetera, et cetera. The fruits will be long lasting, even though the event of the revival or the awakening may last two years, three years, maybe yeah. a month. We don't know. Right. So you see that happening. Yeah. And uh, it's something we should really 
now if you go to the Bible, you can actually see this where there's something comes over the people yeah. and they change their lives. I mean, it radically changed their lives. And you'll see this. Uh, let's see if you look at Ephesians chapter 19. Ephesians chapter 19. It says, uh, now, um, what's, what's going on here, Paul is doing miracles, okay? And they're, they're having this meeting. And they're in a Greek culture. I mean, they're in Ephesus here at the time. And um, what, so, what, what book are you in? Uh, Ephesians? Uh, Acts, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 19. Oh, okay. Acts of the um, so what happens is these men try to imitate what Paul's doing. They think they can cast out demons in that, and they can't. Mm -hmm. And the demons actually attack them in verse 16. It says the man who had the evil spirit was leaped on them and overpowered them. These are these false right. teachers, preachers. This became known to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling at Ephesus. And the, here it is. And fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord was magnified. See that? The name of Jesus is magnified. There's a fear of God. Uh, now, and many who believed, now they heard the word of God and they believed, they came confessing and telling their deeds. See that confession? Yes. And then it leads to practical deeds. Look at verse 19. Also, many of the, those who had practiced magic brought their books together, occultic stuff, and burned them in the sight, and that they... Uh, counted up the value of them and totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of God grew mightily and prevailed. So do you see what's happening here? Yeah. They hear the word of God. They see the power of God. The scriptures are very important in these revivals because that's what people will often rediscover in their own lives. We haven't been reading the Bible. We didn't believe in the right. Bible. That happens. Number two, there's convicting of sin just like here. And three, they do something practical to get sin out of their lives. If they're drinkers, if they're into pornography, if they're into drugs, whatever, they st they start practically cleansing their lives, and you right. see this pattern yeah. often be uh, in in the revivals when they actually happen. Did you say what had something that did? No, I, I was also thinking about Jonah, but we're we're going to look at that at some point too. I think. Yeah, well, you can see that in Jonah. Right. If you turn to Jonah, yeah. now what's interesting about Jonah is, uh, you know, God got a hold of. Uh, we should talk about the man he was, you know, because he he had uh, he was you know stubborn, disobedient, yeah, he was a reluctant prophet. He was a grumbler. He yeah, was a, he was a believer. I mean, yeah. he's a prophet, but um, he really didn't uh, want to obey the message when God told him to go to Nineveh. He right. went the other direction. Right now, there's a backstory to this to put into context. The Ninevites had conquered mm -hmm. uh, Israel. You know, they were very wicked, and uh, yes. you know, and so he may have had some of that going on but um, he didn't want to go and God had to get his attention yeah. and basically you know they threw him overboard because they knew that the whole storm was the result of him being yes. a disobedient prophet so he finally will end up in in Nineveh yep. and it says in verse 3 if you see um, verse if you read chapter 1 through 4 you'll see how there's a type of revival will happen with these. And this is not believers. This is a wicked city, a wicked pagan. Yeah, he actually called them pagans and human garbage. Yeah, read it from yeah. 1 to 3. Okay, one so, to, so which, which... 1 to 4. Well, which chapter book? 3. Of what? Jonah. Jonah. Uh, chapter 3? 1 through 4. Okay. Uh -huh. Sorry, I was writing some notes there. Uh, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh. And proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. 
Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Okay, so here we see he goes and he shares the word of God, right? He, he Again, in any revival, there's got to be a prominence of the scripture, the word right. of God. It's not a man's opinion or... You should get your lives right or turn over a yeah. new leaf and none of this kind of stuff. you got to get in right relationship with God. So they hear the word of God. Yeah. They obey the word and they're convicted. There's a, and they cried out, it says. And then they do something practical. They're going to fast and they're going to pray. Yeah. Okay, 40 days. And they then put on sackcloth. They put on sackcloth, uh-huh. which is which is a humbling thing to do to show your, um, right. your grief at your wicked deeds. They put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least. The word came from the king. He comes off his throne, he lays aside his robe, he covered himself with sackcloth and ashes. Look at how deep this repentance goes. And um, Wow. So he makes his proclamation, and he says, verse 9, Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then, of course, in verse 10, it says, Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. There it is. The whole group, not just an individual, a whole group, a whole city here. And then God relented from the disaster, and he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. So the the punishment that was going to fall them did not happen. And and again, Jonah was upset. You know, he's kind of sulking. But at the end, God says something very interesting in verse 10 of chapter 4. He says, says, but the Lord said, "You you have had pity on a plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up out of the night and perished in the night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 people who cannot discern between their right yeah. hand and their left? Yeah. And much less. So in other words, these people morally, they were in so much darkness, they couldn't discern their right hand from their left My hand. Goodness. And God's saying, I care for these people. Can't you care for them also? And so when they repented, God sent this what we may call a revival because yeah. it went all over the yeah. all over the land. Mm-hmm. You see how that that worked, right? And, and so this this is a real thing that um, I always come back to the verse which says, "God is not willing that any should perish, but that all may come to repentance." And God is merciful. It says in Scripture, uh, "A broken and a contrite heart, God will not refuse." You see, yeah. he, he will honor that. Yeah, I like Jonah two eight nine, John. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. Mm. Was that from so, uh, Jonah 2, 8 to 9? Okay. So there we see it. You know, this idea that we can get right with God yeah. as individuals, we can get right with God as families, we can get right with God as a church. Maybe a church is like in the seven churches in Revelation. Some of them were going, they were lethargic. They got lazy. They got complacent. Yeah. And Jesus would say, you've got to return to your first love. So what, what intrigues me about this day when you study this topic right. is that it cuts across all social structures. It does. Like I said, individual. Yeah. It could be a family. It could be a community. It could be a nation. Right. You know, a nation. There's been times in America where we've called, the presidents have called days of fasting and prayer. And uh, because we're going through great turmoil today. And, and it's, you don't have to wait to go through great turmoil today, but it, 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 it seems like it happens. 
I know many South Koreans, and they tell me after World War, after mm -hmm. World War II, and then the Korean War, many South Koreans turned to the Lord. Yes, and now that's one of the most Christian countries in the world. I think it's twenty-eight percent of Christians. Some of the the best missionaries I know are South Koreans. That's mm -hmm. who I was just spent time with wow. when I was in Seoul. Oh, without a doubt. Well, what groups, do you make of that? Well, a couple things. Number one. Um, they had suffered war. They were, their country was torn apart in yeah. World War II. And then, of course, in uh, the Korean War, yeah. uh, 1951. And then um, I asked Koreans that, South Koreans, why, why did you change in other countries like maybe Thailand or mm -hmm. Cambodia? Didn't They said, well, we wanted a change. We wanted something different. We wanted. Yeah. And they came full tilt. And that's a, that's a revival story to this day. That it's. Uh, I think Billy Graham's biggest audience ever was in South Korea was in, I, huh. I forget the number I'm gonna say 230,000 right. I've seen pictures of it down at the Billy Graham Museum in wow. Charlotte but um, China I mean if you google it up today China is one of the fastest growing Christian countries in the world bar none you'll see that if you if you google in yeah fastest uh, growing mm -hmm. Christian countries yeah. in the world China usually is number one or two and many that I put the numbers in, extrapolate and push it out, they think by the mid 21st century, towards late, it could be a Christian nation. You know, now there's there great oppression there and great, you know, persecution, but maybe that's what makes the church grow. Yeah. You know, when yeah. reality sets in. So, again, is it times of trouble that these things happen? You know, it was certainly the 1857, there was the, the yeah. stock market crash, they're in the precipice of the Civil War. That's when something happened. Uh, at the end of the 60s, when we were going through all that social turmoil here, there seemed to be a move of God, what would later be called the Jesus Revolution. Um, is, is, you know, it's very, to, my, to me, it's, it's interesting, and I thank God for it, because it can actually reshape the direction a nation is going. It doesn't mean a nation becomes Christian, but it just means you can, it can put things in motion yeah. that's going to change lives. And again, my own testimony is it was in 1975, which is right right there in that hot spot, mm -hmm. so to speak, of the Jesus Revolution. It was people that, they call them Jesus freaks back then there, or Jesus people, yeah. whatever. <laughs> and uh, But they would go out with guitars, and they'd have papers to hand out, and uh, they were very bold, you know, and they looked you know, they didn't dress like hippies, but they weren't like, yeah. you know, white shirts and ties on. And they would go out, they'd go to public square, they would go to uh, rock concerts, would be outside, passing out literature, playing songs. And uh, I met them down by the Cleveland Stadium in 1975, me and my buddy. They were Jesus people. They led me to Christ. They gave me my first Bible, you know, changed my life. Then my two brothers would go out to their fellowship. They became Christians. When I was in Thailand just 30, yeah. not even 30 days ago, yeah. one of the fellows I met there uh, named Charlie Melbrock, uh, fantastic ministry. He's got a training center, a Bible school. He's got uh, work with the refugees. He helps plant these churches, literally builds some of these churches. Uh, but he, I, you know, we spent hours in his car talking, you know, as he's driving up into yeah. the mountains to show us these churches. But he said, man, in the 60s, he was out there. He was a biker. He wasn't in a gang. He wasn't with the Hell's Angels. He said, "But I was with a gang, and they called me Harley Charlie." He was, <laughs> and, uh, he was a big guy. He's still he a is. big guy. It's like six. And uh, he was down. Yeah. Uh, I think it was in Key Biscayne. I think he was saying uh, biking and that. And uh, 
somehow God got a hold of him. I, I, I forget what he said exactly. Almost like literally knocked him down or got his attention. And he said, that was it. Once he knew Jesus was alive and changed his life, he, every, he threw everything away that was wrong in his life. He married his wife, came to Thailand in 1984, and started this work. He didn't have hardly any support or anything. Today, it's unbelievable. Yeah. But that was the Jesus Revolution. Yeah. And that's one of the things I said earlier. If if one of these revivals is, is real, mm-hmm. then you could have counterfeit revivals out there. Yeah. If it's real, uh, there's going to be lasting effects. There's going to be changed lives. That's the critical issue, yeah. a changed life. So, um, yeah, well, I think it goes back to looking at the worthless idols. And, uh, you know, when you take a look at um, the first Great Awakening and the second Great Awakening, even the third, and, and what's happened now in some of these colleges, um, you know, it's so true, John. I, I would have, 20 years ago, 30 years ago in college, I would have thought those people were Jesus freaks too, but yeah. not in a good way. Yeah. And now, when you let the Lord into your life, you know, you know, I read something about there's, you know, there's, there's three types of storms that believers face. One is the perfecting storm when God allows hardships in our life to make us stronger spiritually. That happened to me. Uh-huh. And that's when you and I met. Right. And, you know, when your faith is tested, your your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. That, that's James 1, 3 to 4. When your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. That's James 1, 3 to 4. That is so important because addictions... Um, are primarily because of our separation from God. Yeah. And so when I when you think about the storm you're in, with the Lord, you can get through it. And it is so hard to communicate that to some non-believers because they, they haven't been pushed to see how freeing the relationship with Jesus Christ is. Yeah, right. They and, don't and so know. It's just giving them, like even today's hardship, in some cases it could be God's plan that you are in those hardships uh, just so that you take a look at your life and you lean on him. And then everything everything changes. You know, your life will change. Your life changed. Mine has changed dramatically. And those Jesus freaks are not freaks in my mind anymore. Yeah, right. They're brilliant. Well, yeah, they, they were the vanguard. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, it's historical fact that this right. happened. Now, was it all... I mean, there's a lot that, that they were in it, maybe just for the emotion. Uh, what I did find out is those that joined a church, they got baptized, they joined a church, they got committed, and they forsake that old lifestyle of, of drugs. And uh, they, they, they went on to be with, you know, they yes. went on and they grew in their faith. Right. Others didn't. I mean, you know, yeah. but you can't make a blanket judgment one way or the other. But one thing helped is a lot of people were doing it. Yeah. See, that's one thing in these revivals. You're not alone. There's a mm-hmm. lot of other people that are going through the same experience. Almost like the day of Pentecost, you had 120 in the upper room, and they're all getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. It just, uh, <laughs> that's almost contagious. You know, yes. that's almost, there's a contagion there. And so that's 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 what happened. And, and to this day, um, I, I just think people are praying out once again, David, because yeah. We know, even if you're not spiritual, you know deep down something was wrong with the world. Yes. Something's wrong with the country, something's wrong with the world. Yeah. And we can do human solutions and these things and that thing. But man, we gotta be right with God. You know, you got the change has got to be deep in. Once you change that, the heart changes, the mind is being transformed. Your relationships in the home, in the workplace, they're gonna start changing. 
But again, for the better. you don't have to yeah. wait. I want to stress, you don't have to wait no. for a revival to happen. No. Because it, I'll, we'll look in a minute, an individual can be revived. It can be, even if you're a believer that's kind of gotten lazy or lethargic or backslidden, got away from the mm -hmm. things of God, you can revive yourself. So you can make alive again. You can recommit your life to Christ. And we'll see that. We're going to look at one or two more patterns because we don't have much longer with the show. But well, Jan, well, one other thing. I just, I really got intrigued by George uh, Whitfield. Oh, yeah. And about his pattern with the First Great Awakening and the fact that he only lived to, you know, age 56 or 57. And he was quoted as saying, I, I wanted to wear out, not rest out. Yeah, right. He didn't want to just go, you know, coast through life, die in his 70s or 80s. He wanted to commit fully to God. He was preaching to 500 thousand people a million people back then yeah you know in one setting and you know the thing that he made clear and this is something that we really need to understand and i never understood it even though i you know uh i had some religious beliefs when i was younger is you know um nothing we can man's righteousness would not save us no matter how many good deeds we do we have to rely purely on god and the salvation that we were given by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's really the core to the whole thing. And um, we can't do it on our own. Right. We, we can't fix the mess we're in. Can't do it. You know, no. and, and again, the, the Bible clearly says today is the day of salvation. So as yeah. exciting as these revivals are, and I'm not real sure everything that's going on in Asbury and in Wilmore, Kentucky, or other places, but I would encourage our listeners, anyone listening today, you don't have to go somewhere to experience the Holy Spirit more. I mean, he's right there, you know, and Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and sup with him. In other words, have relationship with that person. So it's um, you can you can have that revival even within your own heart. Yeah. You know, and the Bible clearly says Jesus, I mean, God says Himself, "Call upon me, and I and I will answer you. When you when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me." So it's the God we serve is a God almost like the father of the prodigal that ran away from home and got involved in all kinds of bad behavior and immoral behavior, and ends up feeding in the pig style. But then he goes back, and the father receives him and forgives him and restores yeah. him and revives him. That's kind of what you're seeing, you know, yeah. on a mass scale. Right, and, and it unites. Like with George Whitfield, when they did the first awakening, you know, it was basically those 13 counties, even North Carolina and South Carolina were at war with each other. And Romans 8, 28 says, And when we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So you drop your, your swords, your guns, and you become one, and that's how they were able to defeat the British government with this awakening, right? I mean, so that's how it worked. Yeah, it had historical significance. Yeah. Again, once uh, once it happens, society changes. An example yeah. was, um, clearly, um, the, the, uh, in Burma uh, and the Thai border, there's a, there's tribal groups up there called the Karen, right? And missionaries would work there back in the early 1900s. But when World War II came, yeah. the Japanese came and all the foreigners had to get out or they were captured, mm -hmm. put in prison camps. And so, really, that country was closed for many years, and people did not know what was going. They're going to find when they went back. But when they went back into these villages, they found that they quit producing opium, which was one of their major products, right. which makes you know heroin. So they quit smoking uh, opium. The fathers were taking care of their their families, their children, their wives. 
They were raising crops that they could sell at the market. And these anthropologists went in there and they say, what happened? And they said, the villagers said, people came here from Burma and they were bringing the Bible in our language. We started reading it and we became Christians. And that started changing our whole social fabric. Yeah, There's a, what they call a social lift. So even the quality of their life, they, they started having gardens. They quit smoking opium. Fathers stayed home with their children. They All of this stuff, they lead in a more orderly life, and it was a result of the gospel coming in. To your point, I'm just saying that it affects society. It really does. You don't think of it because it's like from the grassroots up, but it can, it can, it's like the early church flipped the Roman Empire. I mean, the Roman Empire was the greatest, one of the greatest ever on this planet, but in uh, the early church was 120 people in the upper room. But four centuries later, the, the Christian faith is growing and expanding. The Roman Empire is a, is a museum piece today. You go see the yeah. you know, Colosseum. And, you, go to the you know, I, I think one of the most important things um, is when you think of Hebrews thirteen five. I will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus said. Yeah. And so even in times like this, I mean, I, I think that's really the benchmark of our faith that we have that conviction that Jesus is with us even through harsh times. Yeah. And challenging times, and and that's what what drives you to want to work with people where you have differences because he wanted us to work together as one in his name and become one, become a family. Yeah, exactly. And this world is so broken. The United States is so broken in so many areas. We really need Christ in our lives. Yeah, that's why I think a lot of people are hoping, like, again, this, we're going to call it a revival that broke out at Asbury College two weeks ago is real. I mean, and, and, or it's, it's something, uh, an indicator of a spiritual hunger out there. Uh, and again, things have happened before. Things can happen again by God's yeah. grace. Uh, real revivals is a sovereign move of God. It's mm-hmm. not something we kind of come together. Like I said, you can't schedule it. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. I think you have to be careful. The Bible says, test all spirits, you know, discern is mm-hmm. this of God or is this just emotions or is it just of men and then you know these kinds of things? You got to guard against false doctrine getting yes. in. You know, uh, you got to preserve because, like I said, it's based on scripture. All revivals are based on scripture. We'll see that. I have one more example here in the Old Testament. Sure. We're going to look at right, and it's in Second Kings, uh, chapter twenty-two. Second uh, Kings, chapter twenty-two. We'll just look at a couple more examples because our time is almost gone. But to set the scene here. Uh-huh. Uh, this is um, this is King Josiah. Now, okay. it, back at this time, the the kings really of Israel are not generally good. His his prede, pre, those you know predecessors yeah. that were before him were not good. His in his uh, grandfather and father, but this man is different. Uh, now he's repairing the temple. When you pick it up in chapter twenty two, but something very interesting happens in the cleanup. Mm-hmm. And if you look at verse uh, chapter twenty two, mm-hmm. verse um, eight and nine. Okay. Um, Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, "I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord." He gave it to Shaphan, who read it. Then Shaphan, the secretary, went to the king and reported to him, your, official, your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors at the temple. Then Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book, 
and Shaphan read from it the presence of the king. Okay, so now you see they found the scriptures. They yeah. found this in the wall. The people that haven't been reading it, it's probably sequestered in the wall somewhere. Right. Verse 11 says, Now it happened when the king heard the words of the book, the scripture, yeah. he tore his clothes. There's That's repentance, grief. He right. heard the word of God, <clears> right? <throat> and then it says here, um, he, he, he discovered that the wrath of God is revealed against those that are, go against what's written in the book. And God's, right. you know. Yeah. And then 14, it says, Hilkiah the priest, uh, Archbuck, Saphim, and Isaiah went to Huldah, the prophetess, the wife of Shulam, and she dwelt in Jerusalem. Now they're asking a prophet of God this. Tell the man who sent you, thus says the Lord, behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants, all the words of the book which the kings have read. So there's judgment coming, just like at the time of, with Nineveh, right? But they, 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 what they do, look what they do. Why is God bringing judgment? Look at verse 17. Because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and aroused my anger by all the idols their hands have made. My anger will burn against this place and will not be quenched. See, because they yeah. turned away from God and they're going to they, all these idols. Father and Father above all other gods. Yep. But as for the king who sent you, inquire the Lord in this manner, <clears throat> thus says the Lord God concerning the words which you have heard, because your heart was tender, remember he, yes. he, he, he was convicted, he mm -hmm. tore his clothes. You humbled your, there's humility before the Lord when you heard and spoke against this place and against its inhabitants. They would become desolation cursed before. I also have heard you, says the Lord. So he says, I will gather your fathers. You should be gathered together. So in other words, he says, I'm not going to bring judgment on you. But look what he says here. Um, they make a covenant with the Lord. Uh -huh. And look what he what they're going to start doing. And he says, um, look at verse 4. They're going to take action. Verse 4 verse and 5. Verse 4? Where? In, in chapter 23. I'm sorry. Okay, that's okay. Hang on a second. Let me get over there. Okay, so chapter uh, 23, 4. The king ordered uh, Halakai, the high priest, the priests next in rank, and the doorkeepers to remove from the temple of the Lord all the articles made for Baal and Ash Asherah yeah, false and God. all the starry host. He burned them outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron Valley and took the ashes to Bethel. And next verse. He did away with the uh, idolatrous priest appointed by the kings of Judah to burn incense on the high places of the towns of Judah and on those around Jerusalem, those who burned incense to Baal, to the sun and moon, to the constellations, Astrology. and to all the Astrology. starry hosts. He brought out the wooden images. Yeah, he took so her, do you yeah. see they took practice? Remember yeah. what they did in Ephesus? Yeah. They've started burning all their cultic books. So it, 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 it was, it's comparable today yeah. when somebody really is convicted of sin, they're mm -hmm. going to get those things out of their house that, they, that might, you know, maybe there's, I don't know, drugs or pornography or this or that. They're going to get things right. Yeah. If they have anger issues, they're going to, they're going to forsake that and get things right in relationships. But notice the pattern here. They hear the word of God. They find the scriptures. The scriptures read to them. They're convicted. They're humbled. Uh, they they rededicate their life to the Lord. They take practical steps. Right. Those are common <clears throat> things you're going to see in true revivals yeah. when they come. Mm -hmm. You're going to see these things. And and again, this is this is this is meant for us. The Bible says, "Whatsoever things were written before time, that's Old Testament." were written for our benefit. That's in Romans chapter 15. It's yeah. written for our benefit that mm -hmm. we should look at these examples right. and, you know, hey, get, get our lives right with the Lord. Right. Right? You know, Amen. Because uh, <laughs> we don't know. You know, time is short. I mean, uh, just two weeks ago, 
we had heard what actually I just got back from Thailand a guy that used to come regular to the Bible study uh, he was what I think he was about 68 years old but they just found him uh, dead in his oh, sleep gosh. yeah Brian oh, yeah, Brian was sorry his name. To hear that but my point being that you just don't know about tomorrow you know I mean it, today is the day of salvation the Bible says clearly and uh, you know Jen it, just real quick on that it, d- d- don't wait for tomorrow you can ask Jesus to come into your life. You can say you're a sinner and that, you know, you would you would welcome him into your life as your Lord and Savior. You don't have to have a priest to do that. You don't need a pastor. You can do that yourself, right? Exactly. And, and you know how to walk people through that. Um, you don't have to wait. And then you can move forward because, you know, I, I know a lot of people, um, you know, I've been talking to some uh, guys in our network that are saying, well, when I retire, I'm not sure what I want to do. Right. Who knows if you're going to get to retirement? Exactly. Like you said, in, in 10, 15 years, you got to act now because you don't know if you'll be here tomorrow. I don't know. You don't you know. You don't know. You know and time it, is wasting away. Time. And boy, does it move fast. You know, even as I'm seeing, you know, my son about to get married, it goes like that. Yeah. It's, it's a vapor. That's what the Bible says. It's a vapor and it's true. And But I always say, you know, if you're 50 years old, that means God has given you over 18,000 days that yes. you woke up and right. you had a fresh day right. to commit your life to Christ. Right. You know, and, and uh, the thing of it is, 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 is now's the day of salvation. You know, if you hear his voice, don't harden your... Maybe somebody's listening right now and they're thinking, boy, I don't know. You know, I'm hearing this stuff going on. I'm looking at the world. I'm looking at Ukraine, the, the, the big earthquake in Turkey. What, in, in one day, was it? 30,000 people perish yeah. one day. You know, they, they were going so, about cooking and riding their motorcycles and, mm-hmm. you know, going here. And, and, and that, going was, that was over a 100-year storm. Yeah. They haven't seen any earthquakes in that region in over 100 years. Yeah. And and how did anybody know? It just happened. Th- that's the whole point of the matter. The, the brevity yeah. of life, you know, right. you, you hope that you're going to live to be 100, but boy, you yeah. just don't know. But you don't if know. you're listening and you're wondering about all this stuff, I, you gotta you got to really look. You know, I always say... Like me, I was an unbeliever because that's what I called unexamined unbelief. Yeah. In other words, I didn't examine the evidence. Right. You know, I just kind of, right. okay, I grew up, I went to church, I had to go to church, I tried to be a good little boy, this and that. But uh, when I was an adult, I, I didn't care to go to church. I didn't, none of it meant to me. I wasn't right. atheist or so. I just didn't, none of that meant to me. But when I started examining the power of the scriptures and the prophecies that are fulfilled in the scriptures and lives that are transformed by the scriptures. And then I saw fellowship with other people, not just here in this city or, you know, at my church, but oh, I just come back from the other side of the world. But you still experience that same kind of community and family, almost like family, because you're brothers and sisters in Christ. All of that is like a treasure chest waiting out there for us, you know, David? It just helps Amen. you in practical yeah. matters. Like you pray for God's favor about a job situation, your children's education. You pray even making a purchase of a house or an automobile or just wisdom. You ask God for wisdom. All of these things are given to us by God's grace. You know, even in simple prayers that, you know, you taught me expand our territories, keep us free from pain and harm. And, you know, even in your case, when you went out to Thailand, churches have been putting your and Marie's name. You weren't planning on no. that. It just happened. Stuff like that, even in, in my situation, uh, it, the, you you can pray for God's favor and his uh, hedge of protection and doors open up that you had nothing to do with. Right. 
Right. It's the easiest way to explain it to the listeners. I mean, he gives you gifts for the work you put in to read the word that he's given us and to follow him. Um, you will see the gifts daily, weekly, monthly. Oh, You're yeah. You're still going to have your hardships. Yeah. Uh, you know. But, and then, but then you go to church yeah. and you, you share with other people. Right. You have a cup of coffee, right. you fellowship, men's breakfast. But then you hear these <clears throat> hymns. Amazing grace, how great mm -hmm. thou art. Great, and they lift you up. You know, even unbelievers like Christian hymns like Amazing Grace. They use it in their movies. Uh, even unbelievers like Christmas hymns, Silent Night, Oh Holy Night. Am I saying it right, David? Yes. And, and why, where is that all coming from? It's coming from the life of this one person named Jesus Christ, who lived two millennial again, two thousand years ago, utterly changed the face of the world. Yes. 33-year-old <clears throat> itinerant carpenter preacher on the backside right. of the Roman Empire in a place called the Galilee. Mm -hmm. But we're going to be celebrating, we're going to do some shows on it upcoming about his death, the uniqueness of his crucifixion, and then his resurrection. We'll do yeah. one show on the crucifixion. We're going to do another show on the resurrection and show you the evidence. Show you the evidence. Is this indeed true? You, you'll tip the scale when you see all the evidence out there from archaeology, eyewitnesses, fulfilled prophecy, the impact of Christians in the first century, the unity of their message. They're not just preaching morality and philosophy. They're talking about death, burial, resurrection. Death, burial, resurrection. <laughs> Am I right? Yes. It even is. the transformation of the 12 disciples that were just fishermen. They were simple men. They were scared. when, And how they turned that around. Uh, after he rose from the uh, the grave, exactly. and all of them except one died a horrible death, uh, and then even you look at Apostle Paul, who was a Christian, he murdered Christians regularly. Right. God gave him a second chance, just like Jonah. Exactly. Right. So even if you think you're not worthy, God is all about second chances. Exactly right. Yeah. We serve a God of new beginnings, right. and. You know, all the other great religious leaders of the day, they're dead, yeah. and you can go to their memorial, their, 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 their burial place is usually a big right. monument. I've been in Jerusalem. I've been yeah. to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Yeah. It is empty. Where is the body of Jesus? He's risen. He's ascended to heaven. That's the, mm -hmm. the only plausible explanation. Amen. You know, this way. <laughs> so thank you for listening. Uh, I think pray for revival. You know, pray for awakening. I think we should pray even for Cleveland, Northeast Ohio. Something could happen here unexpectedly. Yeah. It could be a great turning to God and a revival uh, of believers, of churches, and we come to know Jesus in a deeper way. But we're desperately in need. You well, know, John, uh, why don't you do that right yeah, now? Yeah, I'm going to pray. And okay. I, once again, thank you for tuning in to 81.0 FM radio, WNZN uh, from Lorain, Ohio. And as we go into this Easter season, we'll have more to say. Like I said, David, I think yes. we're going to have special guests from uh -huh. overseas as well as I want to really focus on the death of our Lord through the crucifixion and also his resurrection. Mm. And so having said that, God bless you all. And I'm going to close in prayer. And we're just going to pray for revival for even the individuals yes. that are listening, right. but also for our great city of Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, we thank you for an opportunity to share on this radio station. We ask your continued blessing on WNZN Radio. Thank you, God. Thank you for the word that goes out from this platform weekly, hourly, through the day, through the week, through music, through song, through teaching, through testimonies. <coughs> we thank you for that, Lord. Now, Lord, we come before you, and first and foremost, I ask you, if somebody's listening today and doesn't know you or has doubts or is just not sure, I pray that they would get into the word of God. I would encourage them just to read the Gospel of John, just one chapter, per day. Just read it and ask God to guide you as you do read it. 
If you are a believer, I ask that you would go to a church in your area that's preaching the word of God and you'd be strengthened by fellowship. You need others, others need you and your gifts. And I pray right now with David, we pray for Cleveland, we pray for Lorraine, we pray for Cuyahoga County, we pray for Northeast Ohio. Some way, somehow, Lord, we could have a great turning back to you, a revival and awakening would happen. Lord, we're born here for a reason, for a time and a season such as this. Who knows why we're here? But Lord, we're here and we're just asking you in simple prayer, Lord, revive us, us in this city, Lord. May there be a great awakening in Cuyahoga County, in Lorraine County, in Northeast Ohio, in the days ahead that first and foremost, you may be glorified, your word be read and obeyed, we'd be convicted of sin and repent, and we get our lives in right standing through Jesus Christ. We thank you for all of these things for your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great weekend, everybody. God bless.